Welcome to the Utah Episcopalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah designed to reflect on the Episcopal Church in our unique land of Utah. Well, today we have a wonderful opportunity to talk about our 150-year-old church, but that's a church that's practically brand new among the first persons of Utah's history. We're going to talk about how do cultures and faith, specifically the Episcopal faith, interact. And we have amazing guests today. Of course, we have the Reverend Michael Carney, the St. Elizabeth's of White Rocks Vicar, and an advocate who's well-known in Utah, educator, advocate. How many other names can we give you? Forrest Kutch, who is a member of the uh, Utes, and I'm Craig Wirth of the Diocese. Well, we have some exciting things to talk about that you're doing there, and we do know that uh, let's just get into the idea of uh, mixing culture, mixing heritage, mixing faith, and what you're doing. How does it work? How does it work at St. Elizabeth's? Well, Craig, this is Michael, and thank you for uh, inviting us here today. Uh, St. Elizabeth's has been serving the people of the Ute Reservation of Northeast Utah for more than 100 years. And my wife and I have been there serving for two and a half years. It's been a great blessing for us, uh, getting to know the people and uh, starting to learn how we can be of service and in helping with the congregation. And uh, what's been really most exciting to me in the last year is watching the native members of the congregation rise up into leadership and guide us in serving the wider community. And uh, they have a passion to do that and have had many frustrations and lots of trauma in the past. And uh, uh, it means so much for us to be reaching out to helping the young people, helping the families, uh, feeding people who are hungry, uh, helping to model healthy ways of living and recovery from uh, substance abuse. Uh, it's just been real exciting to see that going on. Forrest, um, well, let me ask you some of the uh, things. And you are one of those new leaders of the church. You're the warden. And in Episcopal terms, that's the, that's the big guy. And so as the, uh, as the warden, how important is it to have the Native people be the leadership and not uh, just the recipients of programs, but be the foundation of those programs? I think that's probably the only way that it will really work is for Native people to take um, ownership and responsibility. And from my point of view, um, St. Elizabeth's and the Holy Spirit are really the only institutions that are working uh, for our people uh, in the Uinta Basin, northeastern part of Utah. I don't see the government programs. I don't see the other churches um, making that connection. And, and basically empowering our people to take a, a, a strong role in the church. And so therefore, I see a lot of good things happening in, in St. Elizabeth. What are some of those good things that are happening now? Well, our bishop committee, we identified uh, two priority areas. Uh, one was youth, and the other one was uh, fellowship to reach out to the communities. And um, our youth program has grown tremendously over the past, uh, what, two years, going on three? Mm -hmm. And um, we have been sponsoring lots of community uh, activities that are uh, being recognized. Uh, more and more people are attending. And uh, so 
I think we're appealing to what's, what our people really need out there. You brought up an interesting point, and that is that we know there's been government programs. We know that uh, there's been a considerable effort to try to um, help, and some of these programs have not succeeded. Uh, why is it that a faith-based program is going to have a better chance. The faith-based programs have more commitment and compassion. And of course, we derive that from our connection with uh, Lord God the Father and uh, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, uh, who we appeal for, uh, to for guidance. And um, I think that's really the key, is that uh, mankind has always been uh, operating on the basis that they can find a way to solve these problems. And so they've kind, we've kind of gone our own way when in fact we, we need to ask for guidance from the Lord uh, in all things. And that's the biggest difference I see. One thing that just has always struck me in, in listening to you, um, you have been a person that has talked to the white community about uh, the fact that a lot of programs come out of what you have described as guilt, that um, uh, there's been a guilt of the, certainly the horrible treatment over the years. But you have an interesting take on that, don't you? For many years, the interpretation of trauma has always been that, well, the Native people uh, suffer from it, and the African Americans suffer from it, or the Mormon people suffer from it. Um, <laughs> my observation has been that we all, all suffer from trauma to some extent, and um, when it comes to white folks and Indian relations, there's the trauma of not wanting to deal with it not wanting to own up to it or fess up to it. And so what happens is because of that trauma, we put it aside. We say, well, let's not discuss that. Or if we do, let's just touch on it. We never get down to the guts. And so consequently, uh, there's no penance. There's no healing. There's no forgiveness that, to take place. And we have to deal with the truth and, and honesty. And we have to, we have to hurt. We have to actually feel um, and relive that hurt and pain in order for us to, to ask for penance, forgiveness of the Lord, and forgive each other. And only then can we start uh, or begin the healing process. So faith is imperative in that process as you see it? Absolutely, because um, for years we've relied on the academic community to answer those questions. And um, academic communities, they haven't been successful in dealing with it. They haven't necessarily sidestepped it, but what they have done is done, dealt with it intellectually. They haven't touched the heart. They haven't done, dealt with emotions, the hurt, the pain, the suffering. And so consequently, they, they've looked for cerebral solutions, whereas what we do in our faith-based approach is we deal with what happened and how did it make you feel and what are the consequences over the, over the years, what has happened. And what we find is we're still repeating the same old drama. We're not healing, we're not learning. And so we're constantly repeating the same old hurts and pains. Michael Carney, you've been the vicar here for um, a couple of years. You were new to Utah before then. And uh, what can the Episcopal Church, and again, this is a reflection of the uh, Episcopal Church in our unique land of Utah, and what can the church do? What are you doing that uh, addresses uh, what uh, Forrest has talked about? What are some of the things that uh, 
you are doing and successfully or um, have been challenging. I feel really blessed to be a pastor, a priest in the Episcopal Church because of our shared commitment to address concerns like these, for one thing, and our strong commitment to live out the teaching of Jesus to welcome every one of God's people into our midst. And uh, I think that gives us opportunities that other faith groups don't have yet. I think one thing that's unique for me in coming into this situation, I've been a priest for 20 years, and at the heart of my priesthood has always been walking with people in their suffering. Um, I just have a, a call to that. My, my heart leads me to that place. My faith leads me to that place. And I, I have some gifts and experience for it. And so coming into the Ute community, being invited into the Ute community, drew on those experiences and the compassion and the faith that I've developed over the years and helped me to see that I can be of service to people by lifting up their faith, by recognizing their gifts, by using my position in the church to help others step into leadership. And it's really exciting to see. You spoke earlier about the, uh, the difficulties of the the governments, including the tribe, I think, to sustain programs for young people. Uh, we just celebrated the 10th anniversary of our arts kids and arts teens programs, uh, creative arts programs for young people, but, but much more that include self-expression verbally as well as artistically, forming an intergenerational community that shares conversation and meals and games, we just have a wonderful time, and the kids love to come, and more and more kids are coming. It's out of those experiences that these new ideas are coming that are so exciting. Uh, an immersion program for children in the youth language. Ambitious outings for teenagers to connect with people off the reservation. Our guest again, the Reverend Michael Carney the Vicar of St. Elizabeth's in White Rocks, Utah, and a friend of um, so many over these years, 20-some years, it seems like longer than that even. Forrest Kutch, who is, uh, everybody knows you as an educator, a spokesperson, a historian, and now a warden of the uh, Episcopal Church in White Rocks at St. Elizabeth's. And that is a, a great way to ask you, why the Episcopal Church? Now, it is not our purpose of this podcast to go out and try to recruit everybody to be Episcopalians, although we wouldn't mind that, but um, it's to ask in frank opinions on, um, you've been uh, in leadership for the last three years of the Episcopal Church. Why the Episcopal Church? Why using a faith to do what the government has tried, what academia has tried, what people in other projects have tried. Why the Episcopal Church? Well, for me, uh, the Episcopal Church is just a good fit. And in the Episcopal Church, I found a church that is more progressive. Um, it allows women in the ministry. It um, allows uh, the priests to be married. It is open to the um, uh, the gay community, 
uh, it, it is progressive. And um, I discovered that it was the church of my mother. And so I felt at home when I attended. I felt at home the decorum uh, was native decorum. And um, what really sold me, uh, Craig, more than anything was it's been, what, a couple of years ago now uh, when I saw um, the Bishop Curry plant the Episcopal flag at the uh, North Dakota uh, Dapple water protest. Uh, when I saw him do that and give that uh, wonderful, inspiring speech, I said, you know, that's the church I want to belong to. That, that, those people, that church is right up there with my people. They're a part of that protest, and that's the kind of church I want to belong to. So that's why I have uh, joined the Episcopal Church. I've been received into it as of uh, three and a half years ago. Uh, and I felt a calling. I feel comfortable there, and um, I, I, it makes me happy. Now, the church doesn't have the money of the federal government or the state <laughs> government, but it has. You said once that it had the Holy Spirit. Um, how is it the Holy Spirit is going to work on programs when money didn't? I'm starting to see in the latter years of my life that it really is true that um, all things are possible with Christ. I mean, there's just so much to this life. This life, how can you explain this life in the first place? You know, it's a great mystery. So if we're living in a great mystery, why not operate on that basis and not put limits to what you can or can't do? Therefore, all things are possible. And you don't have to rely on money to make things happen. You have to call upon the power of God and uh, the Holy Spirit to make things happen, and they do. And that's all there is to it. Craig, I see one of the ways I see that happening is through the wider support our congregation receives. So it's not just people in White Rocks who care about St. Elizabeth's. Uh, this diocese, this statewide group of Episcopalians, is very committed to our ministries and very generous in helping us. Very true. And so I think that's one of the ways the Holy Spirit is at work, Absolutely. is that a little little outpost like St. Elizabeth's is part of a much bigger community that ha- shares a commitment to the work of Christ. I'm interested in why a church wants to see that the Ute language is restored, why a church wants to see that the kids are producing art of uh, the native tradition, of bringing back designs, bringing back uh, what your probably great-grandparents grew up with and and has been lost, the Ute language I know as uh, virtually been lost among the younger people. Why does a church want to do that? What, what role does that have in faith? Well, part of our presence in White Rocks and on the Ute Reservation is one of uh, respecting and honoring the people we're serving with, the people who are the members of our church. And that's, I think that's one of the unique things about unique opportunities for the Episcopal Church. So um, when we really honor the Ute people, then the language is right at the heart of that. We're Christian fundamentally 
and we're native fundamentally too. And so uh, maintaining the language. Um, in arts kids, most of our artists, we have a visiting artist every week, most of them are local people. The team of facilitators who work with the kids, most of them are youth. And uh, just in this last series we just completed, I mean, we had uh, demonstrations of powwow dancing, we had uh, round dancing that we all participated in. We even had some people come and teach the kids uh, what the youths call the hand game, which is a kind of a gambling game that happens at big social events. <laughs> the grandmothers stay up all night playing hand game. I mean, they're, they're just passionate about it. And it was really sweet to see the kids getting excited. They'd never understood it before, uh, getting to participate in that way. For me, as a white man who's been privileged to be invited into a role in this community, it's such a blessing to really get to know the people. We share the pain and trauma of their history, but we also share the richness of their tradition, the sun dance, the bear dance. Uh, the, these are consistent with their Christian faith and a part of who they are and uh, a fundamental part of our theology. God loves us through and through for who we are. I'm going to go back to one thing again that I know from the top I talked about. And again, I've, I've always fascinated with your expression on this, and that is uh, faith communities have um, looked at the Native world and said, we need to feel guilty. We need to feel this is horrible, what we've done. Um, You've gone beyond that. I'm, 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 I'm so amazed at how your faith. You have told me that we shouldn't feel guilty. I mean, we we should, but we just ask for forgiveness, and the Lord offers. You say it so much better than I do. <laughs> well, my experience has been that uh, people that carry around big doses of guilt uh, don't want to deal with it. They just uh, keep it inside. They conceal it, and they want to don't want to talk about it. So to me, it's like. You want to carry that around some more? Uh, it doesn't do you any good and doesn't do me any good. One of the things I offer people is the chance to discuss it and say, look, you know, um, the sky is not going to fall through if you, if you discuss this. No one's going to hurt you. Uh, if, we, if anyone cries, we'll cry together because um, us human beings have been beating up on each other for thousands of years and uh, we still haven't learned. And so we, a lot of it, I think has to do with the fact that we carry around all that guilt. And so um, we have never had a chance to heal. And so I'm all for healing. And um, when it comes to the language and culture, it, um, to me, it's a, a wonderful reflection on the Episcopal Church to want to retain our culture because for thousands of years, well, not thousands, <laughs> How long has this country been in existence? Uh, 150 more years, 200 years, whatever. Um, it's been devoted to pounding the Indian out of us and keeping the man. And uh, uh, it didn't work. It hasn't worked, never will work. Um, and so consequently, uh, any attempt to restore the Indian culture to our people is a, a, a wonderful thing. And I think it's um, the church would be blessed 
for it. I suffered great pain from the loss of our language. My mother was an interpreter for, for Ann Smith, who was an anthropologist, wrote Ute Tales and a number of other books. And um, yet my mother, someone who was an expert in our language, was told by an educator not to teach me the Ute language because it would interfere in my mastery of uh, English. And so she never taught me, and my father didn't teach me. And so I, I am not a Ute speaker. So what I do is I utilize my abilities in English to try to communicate and get across um, the traumas and, and the need for us to consider each other human beings and to not let language and culture get in the way. Because um, language and culture is what makes us who we are. And so that's the way I interpret this as a, the Episcopal Church at this day and age, which is a progressive church, is saying, you know, we're comfortable with you being who you are. And I heard um, a great uh, one of our leaders up north, a Dakota leader, um, was his name Broken Leg, was it? You remember his name? Oh, yeah. He said, in order for an Indian to truly be a good Christian, he has to know his, his own culture, his own language and culture in order to make those connections and to make the religious experience full and complete. And I really believe that. Forrest Kutch, any uh, closing comments? No, uh, just thank you very much, uh, Craig. I appreciate uh, being here. And um, as Father Michael said, the diocese has always been uh, welcoming to us, always made me feel at home, as the, um, our little church has. And it's been a beacon of light to our community and our part of the state, as I hope the diocese will become a beacon of hope for, for this city. You've been listening to the Utah Epochopalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah designed to reflect on the Episcopal Church in our wonderful, beloved, but very unique land of Utah. I'm Craig Worth. <laughs>